I'm going to be so distracted wanting to pop these bubbles the whole time. <laughs> All right, it is January 14. Brandon has already reminded us of our New Year's resolutions, and I wanted us to at least think for a second, how are we doing? How are we doing with our New Year's resolutions? And I also want us to realize that, you know, as a church family, we, we definitely want to celebrate with those who celebrate. We want to rejoice with those who rejoice. We want to acknowledge when something is achieved within our church family. And so Jim Tuttle sent me this a couple of days ago. I thought it was worth sharing. In just two weeks, Robert lost his glasses. Congratulations to Robert. All right. I love that. Okay, so here are the five most exciting words in the whole Bible. You ready for this? Brandon already read them to us from the table. The five most exciting words, I think, in the whole Bible. I am making everything new. Revelation 21. Don't you love that? I am making everything new. New. I, I think these words are just electric with excitement. I think they, they crackle with potential and promise. I think they just explode with, with hope and expectations and possibilities. I am making everything new. Church, this is the divine promise of our God. This is the, the holy guarantee of our Lord. This is the dramatic climax to the story of the gospel that you are living right now in our Savior Jesus Christ. This is, this is everything. This is everything new. This is not like everything new like the new cereal that's only new because now they've added some purple marshmallow shapes. This isn't the new like the new detergent where now it's new because they've got new powerful cleaning crystals. That's not what this is at all. It's not a fancier label. It's not a brighter color. It's not longer lasting batteries. This is our Lord saying, I'm making everything new, right? This is new heaven and earth new. This is no more tears, new. This is no more suffering, no more pain, no more sickness, no more death, new. The old order is gone, he says. I am making everything new. Yes. Amen. Now, this is Revelation 21, right? This is, this is a picture that God gives us of that last day, that, that coming day of glory when our Lord Jesus is finally seated on his throne and our God's kingdom is finally and fully established here on earth and his will is being done here exactly as it is in heaven. The old order of things is gone. Behold, the Greek word is idu. It just means look at this, check it out, right? Behold, look, I am making everything new. Church, that beautiful day is coming. And it's closer than we think it is. But that day is also already here. It's already started this newness is already breaking in all around us. It's already happening today. With the coming of Jesus, with his righteous life and his atoning death and his glorious resurrection, we know that all things are already being made new right now. And we could all use some new. You could benefit from some new. I sure could. We could all use some new. 
And as we move from the past of 2023 into the potential of 2024, we don't want to just move into new diets and exercise routines. We don't want to just move into new reading plans and bedtimes or new spending habits or new screen time management plans. Over these next five Sundays, we want to move as a church into our Lord's new everything. And as you can tell, Moving is our primary image that we're going to be using during these five Sundays together. And, and when you're moving from one place to a new place, what do you need? You need boxes, and you need bubble wrap, and you need shrink wrap, and you need packing tape, and, and dollies. These are the kinds of things you need when you move. And so I, I've been reminded this week of that, you know, that old line about the preacher who preaches the controversial sermon, or he brings this lesson to the church that upsets everybody, and somebody in the church will say, well, that was a moving sermon. What they mean is, this afternoon, there's going to be a for sale sign in the preacher's front yard. And what I'm telling you right now is all five of these sermons are going to be moving sermons, okay? Hopefully... Not in the way that when this is over, all this stuff winds up in my driveway, okay? In fact, I'm going to do something right now. This thing's been making me uncomfortable since we got here this morning. I'm just going to put that in. I don't want anybody to get any ideas, okay? These are going to be five moving sermons. So, so here's the theme, right? I am making everything new. So we get those words from Revelation 21, but the story in the Bible that's going to guide our conversation is the story of Naomi and Ruth. And so I want you to turn there to the book of Ruth, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, okay? We're going to be here for five weeks. I want you to turn to Ruth chapter 1. Now, there, there's a lot to like about the story of Naomi and Ruth. But as a preacher, here's what I love about this story. You are going to personally relate to almost all of this. Naomi and Ruth lived on the other side of the world almost 3,500 years ago. But the experiences that they face and the way they choose to deal with their circumstances, it feels very natural. It feels very typical and normal. This is so human, I think, for all of us. These are just regular, ordinary people, and they're dealing with, with regular, ordinary things, right? This story is about family and work. It's about laws and traditions. It's about marriage and death. This story is about moving to a new town and looking for a new job. And it's about getting along with the in-laws. And it's about covering up sin. And it's about poor decisions that you wish you could have had back. You know, think about Naomi and her husband. They trade in a famine for three funerals. I bet they wish they had a do-over on that, right? Now, some of this is so, so true and genuine and real, it's almost comical, right? When we get into chapter 3, I love chapter 3 because that whole chapter sounds like a script from an old sitcom. You know, you've got the meddling mother-in-law, and she's telling Ruth how to catch a man, you know, put on your prettiest dress, put on your smelliest perfume, and just wait for him to get drunk. You know, that's, that's what she says. I mean, that, that's funny, right? Right? That's funny. Are y'all with me? Okay. That's good stuff, okay? And so the author's not trying to clean anything up. That's the point, right? This is going to be real. 
What we look at here in Ruth is going to be real. And it's real life. It's real people. It's the real things that happen to us and happen to people we know every day. And it's in these regular people. And it's in these common everyday things. This is where we see God at work. Okay? That's what the Bible wants us to see here. That through these normal, ordinary people in these normal, regular, everyday situations in our same old, same old Our God is at work, making everything new. Okay, so let's start at the very beginning. That's a very good place to start. Chapter 1, verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. Okay, we're going to stop right there. I know this is a familiar story to all of us, but have you ever considered that Naomi and Ruth lived during the period of the judges and what that means to this story. The period of the judges is one of the worst two or three times in the whole history of the Israelite nation. For God's people, this is one of their lowest points ever, right? The whole book of Judges, have you read it? The whole book is about the division and the violence in Israel. It's about the cruelty and the depravity and they're worshiping idols and there's immorality and there's horrible faithless leaders and there's civil war and it's just a, it's a national disgrace. This is a chaotic time. This is an out of control time for the nation of Israel. The very last sentence in the book of Judges, you've probably got it right there where your Bible is open. It says, everyone did as he saw fit. And then the very next line in the Bible tells us Naomi and Ruth lived during this time. So on top of all that social and political and and, and cultural turmoil, we find out there's a famine. So there's a national crisis where people are dying. At the same time, there's social and political chaos. Now, if you don't feel a connection with that, Don't raise your hand. I'll give you a second to Google today's top headlines, okay? Just look it up. The headlines just from this morning, right? This is us. I mean, COVID kind of felt this way to me, but also think about the mass shootings in this country every single week. Think about the immigration issues that we're dealing with at our southern border. Think about all the social and political division and hate and violence I mean, the horrible and faithless leaders that we're forced to listen to. This is exactly what we're right in the middle of today. This is you right here and me. Okay? This is us. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about 10 years, both Malone and Kilion also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. Okay. Where's Naomi? Where is she? She's in Moab. Okay. 
Where is Naomi supposed to be? Not in Moab, right? She's not supposed to be here. The Moabites were the enemies of Israel. Moab was a pagan land filled with idol worship and pagan rituals. The children of God were forbidden to live in Moab. They were forbidden by God's law to marry Moabites. And so, yeah, it was, it was difficult there in Bethlehem, but instead of trusting the Lord, they moved away from His will to live in a pagan country where things went from bad to worse pretty quick. Right? They, they deserted their family and their community. They, they compromised their commitments. They moved away from the Lord, away from His people, away from His place of blessing, and their lives fell apart. Naomi is not where God wants her to be. Now, we're all prone to this same kind of deal. All of us are open to this, Right? During difficult times, we can separate ourselves from the Lord. We can turn our backs on God. We can run the other way. Sometimes that's how it happens. Most of the time, though, it's like a slow, gradual kind of drifting away. You know, instead of praying to God more during a tough time, we pray less. Instead of reading God's word more when we're experiencing a difficult loss, we read it less. Instead of surrounding ourselves with God's people, instead of uh, being around God's people more and engaging God's people in, a, in the middle of a difficult situation, we, we do it less. We, we avoid God's people. And so it happens. Let's acknowledge it happens, right? And so my question is, where are you? We know where Naomi was. Where are you? Have you ever sat on the edge of your bed? Have you ever been driving a car down the road, thinking about whatever it is that's happening, and you just think, how did I get here? What happened? What am I doing here? You can go through a hard time, and you can find yourself not where God wants you to be. And that's where Naomi was. And then she realized, thankfully, it is time to move. It's time to move. Verse 6, when she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Naomi realizes it's time to move. She wakes up after 10 years and, and it's three lonely widows and three Jewish graves in a pagan land. She's got no husband to provide for her. She doesn't have any sons to take care of her. She doesn't have any grandchildren to cheer her spirits. But she hears that the Lord is blessing his people back in Judah, back in Bethlehem, back in the place of God's blessing. My question is, how did Naomi hear about that in Moab? The answer is, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. The point is, God made sure she heard. As far away as she might be from the Lord... He's at work in her life. He is calling her. 
He is compelling her. He is working to redeem her. And here's what you need to know this morning. As far away as you might be from the Lord, He is at work in your life. He is calling you. He is compelling you. He is working to redeem you and bless you. So Naomi decides it's time to move. But it's not just time to move. She recognizes it is time to shuv. Okay? Here's a Hebrew word. This is the word for the day. Shuv. Okay? Shuv means to turn around and go in the other direction. All right? It means to change your mind and do something different. Sometimes it's translated repent. A lot of the times it's translated return. When you're talking about you and the Lord and where you are, Repent and return kind of mean the same thing. Can I get an amen on that? It's the same thing, right? This word shuv, you're going to see it 12 times just in Ruth chapter 1. 12 times. That's more than once every other verse. So there's definitely a theme here about returning and repenting. Look at verse 6. Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to shuv home from there. Verse 7, they set out on the road that would shuv them back to Judah. Verse 10, the daughters-in-law tell Naomi, we will shuv with you to your people. So it's time to turn around. Naomi needs a new direction. It is time to shuv. It is time to repent and return. It is time to repent and return. Say that with me. Don't, don't say it real loud. Just kind of almost, almost whisper. Let's say that together. It is time to repent and return. It's time. It's time. Let's say it again, everybody. And if you need to, nobody will know because we're all saying it. But if you need to, kind of say that to yourself. Let's say it. It is time to repent and return. It's time. Let's say it again. And if there's somebody in this room, you know they're not where they need to be. You know they're not with the Lord right now. Let's all say it again, but would you think about that person? And just kind of almost speak it to them. Don't look at them. But speak that almost as a prayer for them and to them. Let's say it together. It is time to repent and return. Say it again. It is time to repent and return. It's time. It's time. So Naomi decides it's time to move. It's time to shove. And she wants to go it alone, right? You know the story. Verse 8, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Verse 11, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Now, Naomi's trying to get rid of Ruth, maybe for Ruth's own good, but also maybe because Naomi doesn't want to drag Ruth along when she goes back to her home in Bethlehem. If she brings home this Moabite woman, Naomi knows she's going to have to hear about it from all of her family and friends. This would make very public what maybe she wants to keep private. That, yeah, when things got tough, we abandoned our people. 
We left our Lord and, and his land of promise. And yeah, we married Moabites. That's a pretty big deal. But eventually, Naomi took that baggage with her, if you will. She publicly brought all of that back to the Lord and to his people. She realized, this is so important here, she realized God was not out to get her. God is bringing her back to restore her, to bless her, to bless her family. And if today, right now, if you find yourself far away from God, if you're not where you're supposed to be with the Lord, God is not out to get you. He is out to forgive you and to accept you and to restore you and to love you and to bless you and to bless your family. So that's Naomi, okay? And that's good. But what Ruth does is just beyond all comprehension and common sense. The Bible says she was determined, look at verse 18, to go to Bethlehem with Naomi. And so Ruth is going to a foreign country where she'll be labeled as an outsider. And listen, the chances of her ever getting married and having kids are zero. Why? Because it's against the law. She's going somewhere where it's against the law for her to be married to anybody else who lives there. And so she makes this decision to shove or to return to a place she's never been in order to fully commit to the God of Israel. The whole focus of the story, it changes right here when Naomi and Ruth are kind of arguing about whether Ruth is going to go or not. Look at verse 16. Ruth says, Do not urge me to leave you or to turn back, shuv, from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severe if anything but death separates you and me. Where have I heard that before? At a wedding, probably, right? This statement by Ruth is so beautiful and so powerful. It is so all in. It is so everything that lots of people use this in their weddings to, to articulate their undying loyalty and love. And so Ruth is committing to the Lord with all of her life, where you go and where you stay, that's pretty much everywhere. You know, and she says, your people and your God and where you're buried. What she's saying is this is all of life and even in death, right? Ruth is all in whatever new thing the Lord wants to provide me. I'm going to be grateful and content. Whatever new way the Lord wants to deal with me, I'm going to be joyful and complete. And so Ruth and Naomi both determined to repent and return to the Lord and his people and to return to the place of his blessing. And they're expecting that when they do this, when they give themselves fully to the Lord, he will make everything new. They know this because they know Isaiah 55. In Isaiah 55, the prophet writes this. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil one his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord. Turn. Shuv. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. And to our God for he will freely pardon. You might be asking God to bless you in 2024. 
You might be praying that prayer right now. God, bless me in this new year. God, bless my family. Bless my, my work situation. God, please bless my finances. God, would you please bless my health? Would you bless my grandkids? God, would you bless me in 2024? There's nothing wrong with that prayer. But I've been thinking the last two weeks, what if instead of praying, God, bless me, what if we prayed, God, make me blessable? That's a good prayer. God, make me blessable. And I think in the same way, we could pray, God, make me movable. Make me movable. Did you see this prayer on the front of your bulletin? I want you to pull out your bulletin, and if you didn't get one, share with somebody who did, because we're going to pray this prayer out loud. We're going to pray this prayer all five Sundays together. I love this prayer. Make me movable. Let's pray this prayer together, church. Lord, please make me movable. Move me to the place where I am able to receive your blessings. Draw me closer to you. Push me closer to your people. Bring me to your word. Bring me to your worship. I want to be with you in the place where you are. Father, give me the strength and the resolve to move to you and to the place of your blessings in and through Christ. Amen. I love that prayer. And uh, I want you to keep this bulletin. I want you to put it in your, on your dashboard or put it on your fridge. If you want to put this thing on your phone, uh, you're going to get an email at the end of church here. As soon as we're done here, you're going to get an email from the church with a way that you can actually put this on your phone as your lock screen. You can have it with you everywhere you go for the next five weeks. But it's time to move. It's time to shove. Finally, it is time to choose. Here at the beginning of a new year, that's the time to choose your new direction. Which way are you going to go? Because you have to choose. In Deuteronomy 30, Moses tells the people, hey, this is, this is your call. Moses says, I set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life. Choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life. Jesus says a similar thing towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount when he says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. You've got to make the choice. And it's time now to choose that path. You have to choose. In 1 Kings 18, it's asked of the people, Elijah asked this question, how long will you limp between two opinions? If God is the Lord, choose Him. If Baal is the Lord, choose Him. But you got to choose. Right? You can't keep going back and forth. Jesus says earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, no one can serve two masters. He's going to hate one, love the other. He's going to be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't do both. Jesus says, it's me. I am the path. I am the new direction. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
follow me, Jesus says. Because when you give yourself fully to God through Christ, in Christ, with Christ, when you choose Jesus today as your new direction, that's when God makes everything new. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If anyone is in Christ, there is new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciles us to himself through Christ and gives us the ministry of reconciliation. That God is reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. We implore you on Christ's behalf, verse 20, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I'm telling you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Church, now is the time to choose. Galatians 6, what counts is not the rules we keep. It's not the traditions we nurture. What counts is the new creation. Ephesians 4, put off your old self, which is being corrupted by your evil desires. Put on the new self. Put on the new you, created by God to be in His holiness and righteousness forever. The place of God's blessing is in Jesus Christ. It is in Jesus where God makes everything new. And now is the time to choose. You can ignore the will of God. You can argue with the will of God. You can disobey the will of God. You can even fight against it. But in the end, the will of God prevails. Job asked, who has resisted the will of God and prevailed? The answer is nobody. It won't work that way. And you already know that up here. You know this. I'm not telling you anything new. In fact, you might already know this in your heart because of some personal experiences. But when you abide with Christ, when you dwell with the Lord in Jesus, it doesn't matter what circumstance you're in, everything holds together. When you're away from the Lord, it doesn't matter how good your situation, things tend to fall apart. This story of Naomi and Ruth shows us that the situations our God allows... The tough circumstances that he permits to happen in his sovereignty are the very circumstances through which he acts toward us in love and faithfulness. God is going to move their story. We're going to see this from emptiness to fullness. He's going to move their story from famine to harvest, from bitter to pleasant, from hopelessness to promise, from mourning to rejoicing, from death to life. From no name and no chance to full, total, complete redemption. And what God is doing in and for Naomi and Ruth, He is also doing for you and for your family and for this church and for all of creation. Brothers and sisters, our God is making everything new. Amen. And things may not be that great for you right now. Things may not be great for your family right now or your work situation or, or some relationship. Things may not be great in the country right now in which you live. 
Are you leaning into your trust of the Lord or are you utilizing your own wisdom and moving away from the Lord? I'm telling you, God is at work right now to move you into the place of his blessing. The question is, are you movable? Stand with me, church. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the blessings that we have from you and through your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the righteous relationship that we have with you because of the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord. Thank you for the relationships we have with each other. And God, thank you for the promise that you are making everything new. The old order of things, the way we do things today, the way we view things, the things that happen to us, all that is going away because of Christ. And we praise you for that. And God, we thank you for the work that you have done in our lives in 2023. We want to acknowledge those things to you right now, God. Would you please listen to us as we individually lift up to you our thanksgiving for the good, for the blessings we have received from you in this past year. And Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would move us into your place of blessing. Father, if there's something that we need to let go of, if there's something we need to move away from to move closer to you, would you take that from us right now? Remove that from us, God. Whatever that thing is, give us the courage to let it go. God, we're going to lift that up to you right now. Would you please hear our prayer in Jesus to help us let go of that thing? Father, we want to be moved. We want to be moved closer to you, closer to your place of blessing. Father, we submit to you whatever it takes. Please make that happen to your glory and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.